So this talk today will be a little bit different than when I normally preach here. As I have been asked to share my story with you today. And I'm very happy to do that, not because it is my story and I want people to know me, no, but because it is God's story in my life and I love to speak about God. And also my prayer is that as you hear me tell my story or God's story in my life, that God will speak to you, that he will encourage you about his story in your life, that he will speak to you about what he is doing, what he has been doing, and what he will do in your life. As uh, I was praying together with my husband, Eric, uh, in preparation for this talk or this, this story, uh, he felt God uh, prompted him to share the words, I see you. And that is my prayer, that as you hear me sharing my story, that you will know that God who saw me, the God who sees me, is the God who sees you. Now, God and I, we go a long way back, all the way back to the beginning, really. I mean, he saw me when I was in my mother's womb. And there is no way I can tell that whole story in 25 to 30 minutes. So instead of kind of telling a biography as such, I have decided to, to draw out a few words or, or verses that have had an impact in my life, throughout my life. And then uh, as I tell the stories around those verses, again, my prayer is that God will speak individually to you. My story is God's story. And God, he has a story to write in your life too. So here are the words. Jesus stands in front of the door knocking. My joy Plunder hell and populate heaven. It's been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known. His name is a strong tower. The righteous can run to it and be safe. This is not your future, for I know the plans that I have for you. Placed you here for a time like this. Many of those words will be familiar to many of you already. And here is how they have unfolded in my life. Look at this photo. Isn't it beautiful? That uh, little blonde girl there, the girl with the long blonde hair, that is me as a six years old. And, and the lady with the guitar. Now, I don't even know her name. I have never been in touch with her since this. I don't even know if she's alive any longer. But if anyone sees this and recognizes her, please pass this message on to her or to her family. I so want them to know that she is the one that brought me to Jesus. In Norway, at the time when I grew up, it was uh, the local churches that would often uh, arrange all the kind of kids activity in town and uh, and many families for many parents from non-christian families they would send their children to these activities in the churches and my mom she did this too 
she signed me up for lots of different activities, and one of them was a choir. As a part of this, uh, the rehearsals, there, there was a little slot, like a five-minute thing, where one of the leaders would, would tell us a Bible story, introduce us to Jesus. And, and I, don't, I don't remember much of it, but this one day I remember so clearly. The lady with the guitar, she read from us from Revelation 3.20, where Jesus says, See, I stand at the door knocking. If anyone will open up the door, I will come in and share a meal, them with me and I with them. And then she told us how Jesus was standing in front of our heart's door knocking, but that this door only had a handle on the inside and only we could open the door. But if I chose to open the door, she said, Jesus would come in and be my best friend forever. And I remember this so clearly, how I, I said that, Jesus, I opened this door, I opened my heart door for you. Please come in and be my best friend forever. And he did, and he has been ever since. And what a joy it was. My mom recalls how I came home, and I, I just wanted to tell everyone about this newfound friend of mine. My whole neighborhood, everyone needed to hear about Jesus, my new best friend. And my mom, she was one of the ones that I got to introduce him to. We're forwarding a few years. I'm now nine years old, and my mom went through a really tough time at this time. Uh, something I, as a child, was oblivious to. Or maybe she was just really, really good at hiding it. One day at school, we, uh, we were given the task to draw a drawing with the headlight, My Joy, or in Norwegian, Gleden Min. I, I drew this picture of a, of a big city, and then hovering above the city was Jesus. And then I wrote the title, My Joy. I was really excited to, to give this picture to my mom, and I, I came running home from school into her room and jumped into the bed where she was laying. And then I gave her the drawing, and I, and I said, look, mom, Jesus is my joy. Isn't he your joy too? And then I ran off. It was first years later that I got to hear what had unfolded after this. I don't know why, but uh, somehow my mom chose to she waited till I was 18 years old before she told me this. Maybe it was because she didn't want to talk with me as a little child about the heavy depression that she had gone through. I don't know. But years later, I got to hear that in the moment that I ran out of that door, she was left there with this drawing and with that question, isn't Jesus your joy too? She knew that he wasn't. At this time of life, she felt that she had no joy, but she was left with a question, could Jesus be my joy too? And with that question, she got out of bed. She found the yellow pages in the phone book and looked through for the list where all the phone numbers to all the churches in town was written. And she, she started calling them one by one. And then she came to, uh, to the church that is still her church today, almost 40 years later. And she spoke with the, the man that was a pastor at the time, who was later became a, a dear friend of us. And he said, come in now, I have time for you. And she got her way on her way to the church, and, and there he told her what Jesus had done for her, and how Jesus was inviting her to hand her life over to him. 
And she did. That day, she became a Christian. She invited Jesus into her life. And then he prayed for her. And he prayed that Jesus would fill her with his joy. And years later, she told me how in that moment that he prayed, all the depression that she had been struggling with for so long was gone like this. And she was filled with an indescribable joy. Never belittle what God has given you or what God can do through you. Little did I know what me giving her that drawing would mean. How that drawing and those words would lead her to faith. And then years later, through seeing her faith in action, my dad would become a Christian too. He's in heaven now. And one day I will see him again. Maybe you are like the woman telling the six-year-old about Jesus. Or maybe you're like the nine-year-old saying something as simple as, isn't Jesus your friend too? Little did she know, little did I know, little do you know what your sharing can lead to. Don't hold back. What he has given you, pass it on. It was first year, nine years later that I found out that it was me sharing Jesus with my mom that led her to faith. And uh, maybe you might know before you are in heaven, but never hold back on sharing what he has given you. You never know where God will take it. Those are the words that I remember clearest from my childhood. And continuing my story, I was blessed growing up in a church with a thriving youth work, with youth leaders and youth pastors that had a huge heart for us youth and a, and a passion to see us grow with God and a heart to reach our community. This was a time with lots of, of street evangelization, lots of outreach work, and also lots of good and solid teaching. Now, I don't remember much of that teaching, although I know it put a foundation in my life. But, but there were one sentence that I remember so clearly. And it was the first time I heard the famous sentence of Reinhard Bunke, where he says, to plunder hell and populate heaven, that is my mission. And, and I remember when I heard those words, they just went straight into me. And I thought, wow, that's that must be what it is worth laying down my life to live for. That must be the one single purpose in life, to live a life to rescue people out of hell and bring them to an eternity in heaven. And really, this is what God is calling each and every one of us to do no matter where he's placed you in life, no matter what else is, is going on in your life, whatever passion or talent he has put into you, whatever job he might have placed you in, this is a call that he has given each and every one of us. To share Jesus with the world around us and in that way rescue people out of hell and bring them into an eternity with Jesus in heaven. Around the same time as I heard this statement, I was at the youth festival. Uh, with, it was like a five-day youth festival with teachings from morning to night. And again, I don't remember much of what was said. 
apart from this one sentence that stood out so clearly to me. Someone <laughs> quoted from Paul, where the Apostle Paul, he says, it has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known. And as I heard that, it was as Jesus, as if God spoke directly to me and said, this, this is my calling in your life. I will use you to preach the gospel to people that have never heard before. I came home from this festival convinced that I would become a missionary. I would tell everyone that would ask me what, what, I, what was my plans in life, that I would be a missionary. And most likely, I would end up living somewhere in the Middle East, working as an underground missionary somewhere in the area that we, we think of as the unreached part of the world. And this conviction of reaching the unreached and living to see people saved stayed with me as I went into my early adulthood. It brought me to Australia for a disciple training school and to India on an outreach um, mission. And, and it connected me with people with the same vision. It led me to a church, now back in Norway again, with a big heart to reach Europe for Jesus. And this perplexed me a little because... I, know, I knew that a part of God's calling on my life was to reach the unreached. And although the percentage of people following Jesus in Europe is heartbreaking low, I didn't know if it could fall under the category unreached, people who have never heard. But I knew that I was at the place God wanted me to be, so I stayed. And here in this church was where I first heard the teaching about God's name. God's name is a strong tower, a revelation of how his name describes who he is. And I learned to hold on to his promises for every area of my life. This was a time where God built a stronger foundation in my faith and trust in him. And he was preparing me for things that lay ahead. I, um, he taught me to trust him as God, my shepherd, God, my provider, God, my healer, God, the one who sees me. I learned the strength of using his names in my prayers, knowing the character of who he is. That his name is a strong tower and that the righteous can run to it and be safe. And then came a time where I was faced with a really difficult season in life. Everything that I had kind of built, built, built up around me or imagined and, and kind of hoped for seemed to tumble down around me. I... I was in a time of a lot of confusion. I didn't know where to turn, and all I really wanted was to run. But in the middle of that storm, I felt God saying, stay. So I stayed. It was a tough time ahead, but I'm so glad I stayed. Four years later, God did say, now is the time to move on. But it was in the time of staying there, that God taught me the truth of his name, El Shaddai. 
the all-sufficient one, the God who is more than enough. Maybe you're listening to this today and you're finding yourself in a situation of confusion. Maybe you're in desperate need in, in an area of your life. Maybe you need healing, provision, direction. Then um, all I can do is to encourage you to, to run to him. The name of the Lord is a strong tower and you can safely run to him and trust that he is who he says that he is. He is your provider. He is your healer. He is your shepherd. He is the one who sees you. He, him, is all sufficient. He, only him, is more than enough. The next word on my list is from Jeremiah 29, 11. A oh so familiar word, a word that you will averse, that you will find everywhere, on t-shirts, on posters. It's a word that we Christians share among each other, maybe, maybe more than almost any other word. But it's a word that will never lose its power or its truth. And God, he confirmed the truth of this word so clearly to me. Since I was uh, like in my late teenage, I was struggling with a lot of migraines. And um, it felt as if it came from my eyes. So I went to an optician, and, but they, they prescribed me some, some low-strength reading glasses, and that was it. And my migraines, they continued. Now... A part of me staying in this, this town that God had led me to was that I started to work in an optician where my boss, he was an expert on double sight. And checking me, my eyes after having heard about my migraines, he found out that I needed to wear glasses at all time and I needed prisms in my glasses to help breaking the light so that my, the muscles operating my eyes could relax as they had been working over time to, to, to help me not see double. So he, he, he got me some glasses with low um, prisms and, and, uh, and as soon as I started wearing them, the migraines disappeared. But just for a little while, for so to come back again. And I went back into him and he, he saw that I needed stronger prisms in my glasses and, and added those. And, and so it went on and on and on, uh, five half a prism extra for each time until I reached um, five prisms in my glasses. Now when I came back into my, my boss um, after the migraines <laughs> reoccurred again, he checked, he, he, he did the checkup, then he straightened up in his chair, took off his own glasses and looked at me with a look full of compassion and sadness. And then he said, I haven't wanted to tell you this before. I wanted to wait till I was completely sure, but now there is no doubt, and I have to tell you what is happening. I have seen this happening before, and I have to prepare you for what your nearest future will be. And then he told me how I had a, a, a fault or weakness on my muscles um, operating my, my eyes, and how when he'd added the first set of prisms, my, my muscles had relaxed. But by doing that, they started to weaken rapidly. 
And, and he said for the next probably about two years, this process would happen faster and faster until I would reach about probably about 20 prisms in my glasses. And at that time, it would stabilize. And at that time, they could put me in for a surgery. But in this, this waiting time, he said, there will be times where your migraine is so hard that, that you won't be able to do anything. All you can do is to lay in a room with the, with the lights off and closed eyes because, because you won't be able to, to, to uh, operate or live with this double sight. But then finally, when the operation comes or the surgery comes, he said there is a 50% chance for the surgery to be successful. And if it goes wrong, if it's not successful, we will have to make you blind on one eye because, again, you can't live with this condition. As I was listening to this, the most incredible thing happened. All I can explain it as is that God gave me the gift of faith in that very moment. As I heard him say, this is your nearest future, I heard God speaking oh so clearly on the inside saying, this is not your future for I know the plans that I have for you. And then he spoke Jeremiah 29, 11 into my heart. And I, I, could have got, I could have gone out of that door telling my optician that, no, this will never happen. And I regret that I didn't. But I left that room with no fear. It was as if all the words that he had spoken, it was as if I didn't hear them because I knew that this was not the plan God had for my nearest future. This was not what he had spoken over me. I saw some friends in the evening and they prayed with me and I don't know when the healing happened, if it happened there or, or earlier in, uh, in the optician office. But the day after when I put on my glasses... I felt so sick. I felt nauseous, not, no headache, but I felt sick. And I came back into him and said, there is something wrong with these glasses. And then he checked up again and he went, oh, this is strange. I must have given you too many prisms this time. But I knew that that was not what had happened. God had healed me. And this process, it backtracked rapidly. And very soon after, I was completely healed. No prisms and no migraine left. This that my optician prescribed as my future, it never happened. God had other plans. And maybe you're listening to this and you've lost faith in a good future. Maybe you've experienced someone speaking words over you as my optician spoke over me saying, this is your future, these things will limit you. This is all there is for you. Maybe your past experiences tells you that there is no more and you think that there cannot possibly be a better or bigger purpose in your life than God wants you to know. His plan, his future is all that matters. No one else can tell you what your future is. Only he can. For I know the plans that I have declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. 
We'll fast track a little now. God took me to Denmark where I got to be a part of a pioneer team in a church plant. Then he brought me to Switzerland where I met my husband. For so to land in London with another church plant where we stayed for 14 years before God connected us to everyday Everyday church, where we are happy to be now and also happy to call all of you our church family. By far the biggest church family that we have ever been a part of. And here in this transition, we encounter the next and last word on my list. After 14 years of being in this um, pioneer team in London, the families that we'd come with, they felt it was time to go back to Norway. And we knew that there would be changes coming, and this was a, a, a time where, where uprooting could easily happen. So we did ask God if, if it was time for us to move on too. But we felt that it was right to stay. God connected us to every day church and not long after that as we were asked to step into more responsibility I was in prayer seeking God for wisdom where when I felt God speaking these words to me similar to what he once spoke to Esther in the Bible where he said who knows that you've come here for a time like this I didn't know exactly what that implied and I guess I'm still seeing it unfolding but what I knew when I heard those words was that it was right to, to step into what God had laid ahead of us and that God had a plan and a purpose when he asked us to stay put when the others left. And I would love to encourage you with these words too. Unless God is telling you to move or to, to do something different than you are doing at the moment, there are times where he will do that too. But unless he does that, you can trust that he has placed you where you are at the time when you are there for a purpose. Right where you are, right at this moment, for a time like this, he has a purpose for your life. But now there is one sentence you might have noticed that seems to not properly fit in. It, it's... Um, one sentence, one word in my life that, that seems to not really have been fulfilled in my story, at least not up to this point. And you see, the reason for that is that some of you, you are actually a part of the fulfillment of that word in my life. And that is the word that I heard God speaking to me at that youth festival where he said that I would get to preach the gospel to people that had never heard do you remember how I said it perplexed me that God led me to Europe? Well, living in London, I, I do get to meet people from all over the world. The first girl that we got to lead to Jesus and, and baptized when we first came to London was a girl from, that had grown up in a Buddhist background in Taiwan. And I, I somehow put myself to ease with that and saying, well, may, maybe that is what God meant then. But that then came the day. Not long after I had started being involved in Everyday Online, I read an email that Darren sends out to everyone that is involved in this ministry with a map showing all the different places in the world that, that is reached through this ministry and with emails coming in from people all across the, the world talking about what, how God had ministered to them through this ministry. And suddenly I saw it. 
It was as if I was back there at the festival as a 15-year-old, hearing God speaking those words to me for the first time. As I read this email and saw names from places in the world that is what we call the unreached part of the world, as I saw reports of people having committed their lives to Jesus. I looked at weeks where I knew that I had been preaching and I saw that people had received Jesus. And it brought me in awe and thanksgiving to God. God, you have opened this door for us to reach people across the world where they would never else been reached. And you have opened a door for me to be a part of this ministry, just as you spoke about when I was 15. It brought me to tears. Sharing the gospel with you, knowing that among you there will be some that would maybe never otherwise have heard, and knowing that there will be some that will respond and say yes to Jesus. So what have I learned through my long walk with God? Well, a lot of his goodness, his grace, his faithfulness, his passion and compassion, his character, and the list could go on and on. But um, also what I have learned is that his timing is different than ours. He sees the full picture when we tend to see only here and now. He has the full picture in mind. And although we have a long story together, God and I, I know that there is still lots to come. He isn't finished with me yet. And neither is he finished with you. God and you, you have a story to tell. And God, I, uh, oh, God, I pray for everyone that has listened to this, God. And Father, I trust that you have been speaking, and I trust that you will continue to speak. And I thank you, Father, that every single person has a story to tell. Father, thank you that, that you, you have a story to write in every single life. And I pray that there will be testimonies coming out of the life of every single one that has heard this, Father. Testimonies of what you have done and is doing in their lives. There is no better story to write than a story lived with you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.